You are listening to the First Tech Podcast. These podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you are not an authorised financial advisor, you may find the content of this podcast difficult to follow as it assumes you have the necessary training and qualifications to understand the concepts discussed. You should also be aware the information contained in this podcast is general information only and does not take into account any of your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. When a small business owner sells their assets, extremely generous CGT concessions can apply to significantly reduce or completely wipe out any assessable capital gains. In addition, under super and tax rules, these capital proceeds can also be contributed to super under a separate CGT cap. However, a range of different timeframes apply for making contributions depending on how the small business is structured and what concession is being applied for. My name is Craig Day, head of the First Tech team, and joining me today to discuss one of the more common questions we get in relation to the small business CGT rules, being these contribution timeframes, is Linda Bruce, one of my senior technical services managers. Welcome, Linda. Hi, Craig. How are you? I'm good. Yourself? Fabulous. Excellent. Excellent. So today, we're going to be discussing one of your favourite little tech topics being the lifetime CGT cap rules. How excited are you? <laughs> Craig, you're making me feel like I'm a nerd. <laughs> yes, well. this is my favourite topic, I have to admit. And uh, and I'm feeling turbo charged, super excited, very, very excited. <laughs> excellent, excellent. But Linda, aren't we all nerds oh, in the yes. first tech team? Yes, isn't it? <laughs> we are. Yes, we are. <laughs> But we love it. Okay. <laughs> okay. So if we're going to discuss these contribution rules, we kind of need to set the scene, don't we? So can you give us some high-level background about how the lifetime CGT cap works to start with? Sure. Uh, sure thing, Craig. Um, I'll just do my best to keep it at a high level. Otherwise, we're going to stay here forever. Hey? Mm, yeah. Yep. So what it is, uh, when a small business owner uh, sells a business asset, they may be able to, uh, as you mentioned earlier, Craig, they may be able to qualify for small business CGD concessions to either reduce, eliminate or defer the capital gains from the CGT event. And when they qualify for the 15-year exemption or the retirement exemption, the client also may have the opportunities to contribute part of, if not all of, the sale proceeds to their super utilizing their lifetime CGT cap rather than their standard non-concessional or concessional that kind of caps, they have this amazing mm -hmm. lifetime CGT cap to use. So that lifetime CGT cap currently is set at $1.65 million. However, it is indexed on a yearly basis. Okay, so these qualifying rules are actually, as you kind of intimated, we could be sitting here for eight hours talking about them. So obviously, very, very complicated. Yes, yes, they are. So just a, a quick example, one of the qualifying rules um, people hear uh, about it again and again, that's the 6 million net assets value test or the 2 million aggregated turnover test. That's the first qualifying condition. That will require the tax accountant to look at the relevant financials of the individual's business or the entities and then to determine uh, whether those conditions can be met. So it's rather complex. Okay, so 
We're leaving the eligibility rules right alone because that's the the realm of the accountant and we generally suggest to to financial advisors to do that as well. Um, Don't get involved. That's pure tax advice. So so we'll just leave that to them. Um, But once that account has determined eligibility um, and the client wants to contribute to super using the lifetime CGT cap, that's when it's important for advisors to understand these timeframes that start to come into play. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, if um, we miss the relevant timeframe, uh, it is possible that um, uh, it would, the client just won't be able to utilize the lifetime CGT cap at all. Okay. So therefore, well, what I was saying is in terms of advisors leaving the eligibility criteria alone and just refer off to the accountant, this is when it becomes really, really important for the advisors to know these rules in relation to the CGT business, uh, small business concessions, um, as because as I suggested in the intro, different time frames time frame sorry apply here depending on whether we're dealing with an individual or an entity and which small business CGT concession applies. So, as I said, really important that we have an understanding of these rules because our eligibility to get these proceeds into super really relies on getting these time frames right. So, how about we start with the situation of an individual? And let's say we're applying the 15-year exemption. Oh, sounds great, Craig. We love the 15-year exemption, don't we? Because um, it's the most powerful uh, concession among the four small business concessions. Uh, Why are we seeing that? For tax purposes, this 15-year exemption allows all capital gains from the CGT event to be completely disregarded, regardless of how big the gain is. Uh, As long as the 15-year exemption is there that the client can use it, all the capital gains can be wiped out. It's just super powerful. And then for contribution purposes, uh, where the disposer is an individual, uh, we love it because the rules are relatively straightforward. It's relatively easy, uh, easier. <laughs> Not that easy, but easier. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. the individual client uh, can contribute their share of the sale proceeds uh, to super and the lifetime CG- their own lifetime CGT cap up until the time they're required to lodge their tax return for the financial year in which the CGT event happened. So when we say the due date, uh, the tax return due date, usually that's the 31st of October of the following financial year. However, this type of um, um, clients running their own business, usually they have a tax accountant and they lodge this through their tax agent. And usually the due date is a lot later than 31st October, whatever, whichever the date agreed by their tax accountant uh, agent uh, and and the ATO. Uh, so double check with the tax agent. Um, so what if the client uh, hasn't or doesn't receive the sale proceeds until after the tax returns due date? Uh, in that event, in that occasion, uh, they do have a 30 days after they uh, receive the capital proceeds to contribute uh, to super utilizing the lifetime CGT cap. Okay, they're obviously quite important there that if, you know, if the proceeds come through afterwards, then you've got 30 days. So it's not so much, you know, when your tax return is due or when it's required to be lodged. So in that situation, you're going to have to get your skates on once you get the money, if it's after that uh, after that deadline of when the tax return is required to be lodged. Um, if it comes through after that, you've only got 30 days to get it in. That's right. Yep. 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 Okay. 
Um, now, moving on, what if the asset was owned by a company or a trust and it's the entity that is now qualifying for the 15-year concession? We've got different rules that apply there again, don't we? Yes, that's right. And the rules can get quite complex there because the entity uh, is or was the owner of the CGT asset. So the sale proceeds will be paid to the entity rather than the individual. So the first step uh, is that the company or trust will have to push their sale proceeds out to the individual's hand. Then they have two years uh, from or after the CGT event uh, to distribute the sale proceeds to the small business CGT stakeholders, uh, that's our individual clients, uh, in accordance with their participation percentages. So that part is very, very important to make a tax-free or tax-effective distribution. Um, the, the tax participation percentages uh, must be determined by the tax accountant. All right. So when we're dealing with the company, it's more uh, rather complex because the tax law only allows the uh, capital gains portion or the exempt capital gains portion uh, disregarded by this particular concession uh, to be pushed out the tax-free when all the rules are met. So very often we found uh, it may not be possible for the company to push out the cost-based uh, portion. Really depends on where that cost base of the asset was founded. Uh, if it's founded by return of profit, for example, then there might be some tax issues. So do uh, have a chat with tax accountant and say, uh, what kind of, what, to which uh, extent the sale process can be pushed out. Now, this is okay. where, the, where the, uh, the time frame start to kick in. As soon as the entity pushed out the sale proceeds uh, in accordance with their uh, participation percentages, the individual then, from the dates they uh, receive the distribution, they only have 30 days to make a contribution to super in order to use the lifetime CGT cap. So 30 days. Okay, so, all right. So, okay, from what I can hear from all of that, I can potentially see a couple of traps here. So the first one relates to, you know, an entity making a distribution within this two-year timeframe. So what if the, the buyer and seller made an arrangement to actually pay the sale proceeds over or in installments over, let's say, a five-year period. Do, do we have a problem there? Yes, we do have a problem here, Craig, and that's a, quite a common arrangement between the buyers uh, and a seller over a quite expensive asset, for example. Um, but uh, let's just we have to put a dis disclaimer here, don't we? We're not talking about an earn out right arrangement. Uh, that's a completely separate arrangement um, that's subject to meeting some sort of like a performance tests uh, agreed by both parties and the sale will go through. Uh, and if that's the case, earn out right arrangement, it allows the entity a longer period to make a distribution. But that's not what we're right. talking about. We are mm -hmm. talking about a sale uh, has been completed but the sale proceeds will be paid over a number of years and it's quite common uh, as we, we can tell. And in that particular scenario, uh, the sale proceeds received after the two-year period, we might have a problem uh, both for tax purposes uh, and for super purposes. So let's have a look at the tax uh, first. Um, for a company, 
Um, it's very important for the company to make a distribution uh, within a two-year period, so two years from the CGT event, uh, to mm-hmm. make it a tax-free or tax-effective. That's not a frank right. dividends or unfriendly dividends, although it appears like the tax law allows the tax uh, ATO to give some leeway, give some flexibility in terms of the two-year period to make the tax-free distribution. However, right. for super law purposes, um, we uh, our understanding is that uh, the entity will still have to make the distribution uh, within the two-year period. You miss the two-year period, uh, uh, two-year period, um, then it is possible that our individual client may not be able to contribute the the uh, distribution to super uh, using their lifetime CGT cap. Um, okay, yeah. so if if I was looking to sell assets and potentially enter into an instalment arrangement and I really wanted to get the proceeds into super, I've got to be careful about that. You have to be really careful about that uh, to, to make okay. sure that the sale proceeds received within the two-year period. Otherwise, the clients might be able to uh, miss out on contributing yeah. to super. And, and what about for a trust? Uh, trust is different for from tax perspective because a trust doesn't have returned earnings, so they may still be able to push everything out tax-free, but they were stuck with the contributing um, problem if they miss the two-year period as well. Okay. All right. So the second trap I also can potentially see here is when the individual client receives the distribution, they've only got 30 days to make the contribution to super, yeah? Yes. Yes, absolutely, Craig. Um, yeah, interesting that you, you you bring this up. We just dealt with a couple of cases uh, like this. So, for example, uh, shortly after a trust entity sold a CGT asset and the trust is able to use the retirement exemption, uh, sorry, 50 exemption, my apologies, and what the trust did, the trust just distributed all the sale proceeds out to the individual beneficiaries. Um, little did they know the 30-day period has already started. It started from the day the distribu- distribution was made to the individual client. And then when the client came to see our advisors, Unfortunately, the 30-day period has already lapsed and there's nothing they can do. The client missed the important opportunity to contribute the sale proceeds to super utilizing the lifetime cap, CGT cap. Right. So so what that really says to me is in, in so many ways when you look at these rules, whether it's either actually qualifying for the rules in the first place or getting the money into super, we really need to be planning ahead for this stuff. Um, you know, having a client walk in and say, hey, I've just sold my small business assets and I've qualified for the small business CGT rules. When did all this happen? You know, four months ago. Well, unfortunately, we had an opportunity to get that into super under the lifetime CGT cap, which is 1.65 million. Now we're limited to the non-concessional cap, which is maximum of $330,000. So planning ahead with all of this sort of stuff is is really important. Now, okay, we've talked about the 15-year rule. How about the retirement exemption? Retirement exemption is quite different uh, for tax purposes. <laughs> Where can we start, yeah. Craig? Right. So for 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 tax purposes, the uh, the amount that can be exempt is a, a lot smaller. Could it be a lot smaller compared with the uh, fifteen exemption? So under the retirement exemption, uh, is the um, um, up to there's a tax cap of up to five hundred thousand dollars. 
and there's a lifetime cap uh, that can be applied to uh, an individual. Um, so that's what you got, $500,000 to uh, reduce the taxable capital gains, um, but not more than that amount. So less power okay. than the 15 exemption. Okay. So let's go back to the timeframes. Um, once again, let, let, maybe let's start with individuals. So what are the timeframes there if we've qualified for the life, oh, sorry, the retirement concession? Um, how much time do we have to get that into super? Yeah, so for individual clients, uh, we need to know whether they are under age of 55 or over 55 uh, because of uh, how the rule works. If the individual clients under age of 55, in order to qualify for the retirement exemption for tax purposes, uh, the rules require the individual client to contribute the exempt capital gain amount to SUPA, and that amount must be contributed to SUPA uh, before they lodge their tax return or when they receive the capital proceeds, whichever is later. Uh, so to qualify, they have to, they must contribute that exempt amount to SUPA. There's no option um, not to do so. Uh, but rules will change if the client is 55 or over, then it's up to them. It's not compulsory for them to contribute the exempt amount to SUPA. They can if they want to. And if they do want to contribute the amount to SUPA utilizing the lifetime CGT cap, then the deadline is the tax return due date or 30 days after the receive the capital proceeds, whichever is later. So once again, you know, tax return dates and 30 days all comes into play. Um, also, I'm interested around the age of 55. So obviously these rules have been around for a while. Yep. Um, and they were around, you know, born in place when the preservation age was 55. Preservation age is now 59, going up to 60, I think, next year. Um, but we haven't seen this age increase with preservation age going up, have we? No, we haven't. And we haven't heard anyone talk about it. I mean, officially, yeah. we haven't heard anyone talk about it. So now we've got kind of what seems like a pretty random age <laughs> sitting there um, that hasn't gone up. Anyway, it's just off on a tangent. So let's come back. So what if we're dealing with a company or trust? Uh, again, it company or trust, when company or trust is involved, rules are a lot more complex comparing with individual situation. So again, <laughs> the entity, meaning the trust or company, receives the sale proceeds and then it's required for the entity to pay the exempt capital gain amount uh, out to at least uh, one of their uh, CGT stakeholders. And that payment will have to be made by seven days after the entity lodged the tax return or seven days after the entity received the capital proceeds, whichever is later. And then things get quite interesting again. The recipient, meaning the individual stakeholder's age, will play uh, a very important role here. If we are dealing with individual recipient, the CGT stakeholder, the individual recipient who are under age of 55, uh, it's very important for the entity, meaning the company or trust, to make that payment directly to the individual's super, 
not to them a direct, not to the individual, to the but to individual super. This is so important because to qualify for the retirement exemption for tax law purposes to reduce the gain, the capital gain, and the tax law requires the entity to pay that amount uh, to the individual super. Uh, directly, uh, where the individual is at age 55. If the entity made a mistake and pushed that amount out to the individual, and where the individual is under 55, the entity will not be able to use the retirement exemption at all. So it is a big trap there. And yeah, uh, with catastrophic mistake, I would imagine. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Just miss mm. out the uh, capital gain uh, retirement exemption for uh, for capital gains purposes uh, entirely. Uh, and then, uh, if the, indiv- uh, the when the company makes the contribution to the individual's super, where the individual is under fifty five, uh, the entity must complete the CGT cap election form. Uh, and then that amount contributed to super by the entity can be covered under the individual's lifetime CGT cap. Okay, so what if the stakeholder, the individual stakeholder, I suppose, is uh, 55 or over? Then it's no longer a tax law requirement for the entity to pay the exempt amount to their super. So the entity can pay that amount out to the individual client and then it's up to the individual client whether or not they want to contribute the exempt amount to super. And if 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 they do, then the 30-day period, 30 days will come in. Uh, it's from the date individual receive the distribution uh, up to 30 days, uh, and they can contribute to that amount during that 30-day period uh, to super uh, using their lifetime CGT cap. Okay, so again, that 30-day period comes up, so obviously can be a trap. If, you know, the, the trust makes the payment without realising that there are only 30 days for the beneficiary to make the contribution to super. So this says to me, once again, as I said before, really important for advisors to work with the tax account to make sure this 30-day timeframe is considered when making the distribution of the exempt capital gain um, to the individual client. So, Linda, anything else you want to add? Uh, yes, yes, we do. Uh, so, t- t- to make sure the amount uh, is accounting towards a CGT cap rather than non-concessional contribution cap, uh, it is so important to fill up that CGT cap election form and give it to the super fund before or at the time the contribution is made. Uh, if the uh, uh, contribution is made without providing this CGT election form, then it is not possible for this amount to be classified as a, uh, uh, a CGT contribution. Then uh, it will be counting towards a non-concessional contribution cap um, uh, unless the deduction is claimed. Uh, and yeah, and that there's there's nothing you can do there, is there? <laughs> no. Absolutely nothing you can do. So we, we've seen this in the past where someone's just made a mistake. They've, they've sent the contribution through and then a couple of days later we've received this form to say, oh, we're, we're treating this as a contribution under the lifetime CG2 cap. Too late, she cried as she waved a wooden leg, you know, as my woodworking teacher used to, <laughs> used to say to us. Um, bad luck. It, it needs to be there before or at the time the contribution is made. And if it's not, it's clear in the legislation there is nothing, nothing 
the trustee of the super fund can do to change that. It is now a non-concessional contribution and potentially the size of the contribution is very large because we'll think we're doing it under the CGT cap and can result in really, really serious excess non-concessional contributions and really nasty tax outcomes because then we've got all that notional gain or notional income we've got to pay tax on. Um, so, yeah, a really big trap there. Make sure that form goes in at least at the same time as the contribution, if not before. Absolutely correct. Um, and can I just add on a couple of other things, if I may? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yep. the client needs to be able to uh, make the contribution due to their uh, due to the age limit. So meaning they needed to be under age seventy five, or if we can just <laughs> be pedantic, is twenty eight days after the end of the month. They turn seventy five. They have to be younger than that. And also, the rules are so complex. There are some specific rules um, to, to that the entity must comply with uh, to make an election to use the concessions and how to distribute uh, the disregarded or exempt again out of the entity structure uh, to the stakeholders. And those rules we did not cover and it's not possible to cover in this podcast. So it's so important to seek independent tax advice. Uh, and if advisors want more information, we do have some material available in our library, right, Craig? Uh, we have the we first tech super guide. We have a chapter there. We have a separate guide. It's called the CGT Small Business Concessions Important Time Frames uh, that can help our advisors uh, to, to uh, with those important time frames. Okay, so a couple of things here. Um, I heard you there mention age 75. So obviously we saw just recently, effectively from the 1st of July this year, that we've removed the work tests for people making voluntary, let's say most people think about as non-concessional contributions between 67 and 74, up to 28 days after the end of the month, they turn 75. So I'm imagining those rules, the removal of the work test also applies for people making contributions under the lifetime CGT cap. That's correct, Craig. Um, the client is not required to, to, to meet the work test if they are over age 67, as okay. long as they are That's under right. that uh, 28 day that that, that, that age limit. Um, yeah, they, yeah, they are fine. They can contribute. Okay, so that's important development as well. Okay, if I can sum all this up as simply as I can. So, if we have clients selling small business assets, they can potentially qualify for valuable CGT concessions, and in addition. They can also get those proceeds into super under a separate lifetime CTT cap. But to qualify for this, those contributions need to be made within certain very specific timeframes that can be as short as 30 days. I think you're also mentioning seven days there at some point. So we need to plan ahead for this and work with the client's tax account. This is something you plan for not think, oh, you've sold these assets, Let them, let's get them into super now, probably you're going to be too late. And also one thing, my as I said, my head's still spinning with all these rules and timeframes and contribution types and concessions. Um, so as you said there before, Linda, we've got a chapter, a whole chapter in our super and retirement income stream guides that looks at the rules around contributions going in under the lifetime CT2 cap. So that's really important. And we also had that document that talked about important timeframes. Can you just repeat the name of that? Because I find that invaluable. Whenever a client calls me up and talks to me about it's one of the first things I do because there's so many concessions and 
deviations for that depending on age and this, that, and the other, that it's a really valuable document. Can you just repeat the name of it? Sure, sure. It's a first tech guide, and the name of it is a CGT Small Business Concessions Important Timeframes. Okay. All right. Well, I think that sums it all up. Thanks, Linda. Thanks, Craig. Thanks for having me. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for listening to the First Tech Podcast. Please note these podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors as a source of general information. All scenarios considered during the podcast were purely hypothetical and for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. You should read the relevant product disclosure statement before making any investment decisions and once again consider talking to a financial advisor. While all care has been taken in preparation of this podcast using sources we believe to be accurate and reliable, no person including Colonial First Aid Investments Limited and Adventist Investments Limited accepts responsibility for any loss suffered by any person arising from reliance on this information.